Viacom CBS and Comcast are partnering on a new European SVOD service dubbed Sky Showtime. Why did they decide to work together rather than go it alone with Peacock and Paramount Plus? Listen on to find out why. Side stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon there at the beginning, of course. And Colin, how's everything going? Very well, Will. I gather you are on the road, right? <laughs> I'm in your time zone right now. How about that? I was just up in Portland, Oregon with my family, and then in Seattle for a few days, and then we're going on to do some other fun stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's been nice. It's been nice to be on Pacific time, also, actually. I I sort of envy how much more stuff you can get done by getting up earlier and really uh, being already in the middle of the East Coast um, day and be able to get a hold of people, that kind of thing. So uh, I don't know, but I'm impressed with Seattle. I'll say that much. Anybody, any Seattle listeners, a lot of cool stuff here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've been to Seattle. Sounds like I need to go, go back and, and spend some time there. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and get started, Colin. We're going to have a couple of news stories this week, as always, and then we're going to talk a little about Viacom, CBS, and NBC Universal getting together on this new international streaming service. So you're going to get us started on the news front. I am, and this story is really a demonstration, I think, of the growing power of Roku in the market. Um, Roku and Charter Communications have finally resolved their uh, their argument about the Spectrum app appearing on Roku. And now Spectrum customers can download, once again, download the app. And uh, uh, I think they could always use the app, but they couldn't get updates for the app. I think that's how it, was, how it was working. And this has been going on for like nine months. So this has been an extremely long agreement. Um, I suspect the root of it, Will, is that uh, Roku wanted probably some some ad avails or something out of this. They wanted they wanted to make some money from uh, providing the app to their customers, and it seems like uh, Charter wasn't very willing to give it. And boy, it has nine months. That's a that's a long time, right? Yeah, I mean it is and it isn't. I don't know. Uh complicated deal nine months i don't think that's the end of the world but um good to see that they finally have it together and i'm guessing we're going to just see more and more of those as we go forward don't you think i think so yeah i mean look uh roku's got 55 million active users most of those active users are in the u.s um it has expanded to international markets now but i would i would bet that the lion's share of those are in the u.s and Boy, that's a lot. That's a lot of homes, right? Charter, I think, has much fewer homes than Roku does these days. So I guess it looks like uh, Charter needs Roku more than Roku needs Charter. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure I'd go that far, but well, they, fa- well, they found maybe each not. other. <laughs> maybe not. Well, what did, what, did you, what did you find this week? Well, I was, um, again, I've been out of the office a little bit, but following what's happening in the industry, and I was impressed to see that uh, IMDB TV, excuse me, has launched a free app on Comcast platforms, and that was IMDB TV's first deal with a 
uh, pay TV operator, they have been available on a bunch of other devices like Roku, Xbox One, Xbox Series, Android TV, blah, blah, blah. But this is the first deal that IMDb TV has reached to have its app on a pay TV, either set-top or um, broadband, you know, streaming device <coughs> like, they, like Comcast has with Flex. So, um, so it's going to be both, uh, to just round that off, it's going to be on both Flex and on Xfinity uh, X1 devices. And as we both know, we've talked about this many times, but these ad-supported services, the ad-supported streamers, whether it's Tubi or Roku or um, uh, Pluto, etc., they are looking for distribution. That's the name of the game. And they want to drive as much viewership as possible because that, of course, in turn results in ad inventory. And that's exactly how they make their money. Uh, we did that review of earnings just a few weeks ago, and, and those earnings for all those companies were completely off the charts. So congrats to IMDB TV and to Comcast. I think it's a welcome addition, really, for both sides. Very mutually beneficial, don't you agree? I do too. And this really sort of connects to the Roku, the Roku story world because I think Amazon is emerging as Roku's biggest competitor. Of course, they're competing with Fire TV. Um, but there was some really interesting data from Samba TV uh, last week, I think it was, showing the growth in uh, programmatic, pro- programmatic ads on both platforms, on the on, uh, on Roku platform and on uh, Amazon. Of course, that's primarily through the Roku channel and IMDb, IMDb TV. And I've got to tell you, Amazon is catching up to Roku. Roku's certainly in the lead. Uh, but, you know, 200, 284% increase in programmatic ads placed through through Amazon in the first half of this year versus 118% increase on Roku. So, you know, Amazon is just behind. And I've got, I got a feeling that this battle between those two is going to go on and on. It's a very, 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 very... Um, competitive business both in the in the streaming devices and in the ads now so uh, yeah interesting it's a it's a horse race no question about it Colin uh, the good news is that the market is expanding so fast that they're not competing over kind of a zero-sum situation there's there's a lot for both them and for everybody else a lot to go around these days so anyway let's um let's move on though Colin we want to talk about this new deal that was announced this week between Viacom, CBS, and NBCU International Streaming Service. You wrote about it. Um, I have a few thoughts, but why don't you get us started since you were you were on top of this? Yeah, so this was rumored, I think, by the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago that Comcast and Viacom CBS were in talks about working together in international markets. And they indeed made the announcement this week that it is going to happen. The two are working together in, I think they're going to launch a new service, which, they're, which they've called Sky Showtime uh, in Europe. Um, it's going to be an SVOD service. I think they're planning on launching in 20 European ter- territories. And they'll have coverage of about 90 million households in so doing. And now they didn't give any details, so we don't know release date, we don't know pricing, uh, but I, I thought it was a pretty interesting deal, Will, and as I, as I thought through it, it seemed to me that, that these two companies really couldn't have been successful on their own. 
So if you look at, if you, well, first of all, if you look at the amount of content that they say is going to be in the service, they say that they're going to have about 10,000 hours of content in this service, which sounds like a lot. But when you look at the amount of content that their competitors, Netflix and Amazon have available in, in the markets, um, in Europe, it's really not a lot. For example, Amazon Video, Amazon Prime Video has 41,000 hours available in, um, in the service in the UK. Netflix has 38,000. And Now TV has 18,000. Now TV, of course, is, um, Sky's direct to consumer, um, and as for the aggregation service. So their 10,000 hours is, is kind of table stakes for the market. Now, look, of course, it's, it's a quality versus quantity. Doesn't matter if you've got 41,000 hours of stuff if they all suck, right? But, um, but he, here's the thing. I think these two really needed to work together to get to 10,000 hours of pretty good stuff. And, and here's why I, I come to that conclusion, Will. So in the US, Peacock has 13,000 hours available for free. So you can come to Peacock. There's 13,000 hours of content there. Paramount Plus has 30,000 hours. So it's not like they're hurting for content, but they are hurting for content in Europe because most of that stuff, I think, has already been licensed out. So the only way they could really muster enough content is by working together to be competitive with the other services that are in in um, in market there. And Sky, I think, is also a very important contributor here because, of course, Sky is a very big brand in in Europe. I think Sky actually has satellite service in all oh, something like six or eight regions and has a great deal of name rec- recognition there. But most importantly, they're producing content in those regions as well. So I have a feeling that part of this deal is some of that Sky content that's being produced for the satellite will f- satellite services will flow into into this Sky Showtime service. So that's one thing I think that's that's kind of one reason why I think they had to work together. Another reason is that NBC, CBS and Showtime are just unknown brands in Europe. People really don't know those brands at all. And of course, as I say, they certainly do know Sky. Sky has services in Germany, the UK, Ireland, Austria, Italy, Belgium, Portugal, and Switzerland. Now, they're launching in more markets than that, of course. They're launching in 20 markets. But Sky is such a well-known brand in Europe that I, I got to believe, uh, you know, that is a big contributor here because it's so well known it gives it a lift it makes me wonder why they picked on showtime as the as the sort of <laughs> uh, viacom cbs contribution here nobody knows it uh, showtime is a us only service will and <laughs> so why why do you think they picked showtime i don't know colin I'm, that's i think you said it in your piece that's a head scratcher um i've learned over time that sometimes these branding decisions don't necessarily pass the smell test or the common sense test. So um, 
this may be one of them. There may have just been, there may just not have been any other good brand. They didn't, may not have wanted to come up with a brand new brand. And they may have figured, all right, there is a little bit of equity in the Showtime brand for, you know, at a minimum, maybe expats or whoever. And so if they didn't have anything that was better, then why not just do it? You know, there's not that much downside. It's no worse than starting with something that is literally a, you know, made up name kind of thing. Right. 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 And I but, guess it um, kind of, I guess it kind of okay. works at its root, right? Um, it's Sky, it's Showtime. <laughs> so I guess it sort of works. Well, just back on Colin, something that you were saying before, this is something that I have heard many, many times. And we, of course, mostly cover the U.S. market on this podcast. Separately, you spend a bunch of time uh, writing about, learning about what's happening in the European market. Um, but one thing I've always heard about that market vis-a-vis streaming is that the licensing for programs is really, really tough. It's just very difficult for the Netflixes and the Amazons and, you know, the whoever's of the world to get a toehold because the good stuff is simply locked up by the broadcasters. And I, I guess I want to just ask you, first of all, is that definitely the case? Is that your read of the situation too? And if it is, kind of how do you put this this streaming venture in the in context of that? Now they'll have Sky, of course, and they'll have some of the stuff from uh, from the domestic partners, but you know, can it compete head on with um, with the uh, you know local services? Given the dynamics you just mentioned there, well, the the truth is that um, Netflix is doing pretty darn well competing with them. Will and it's competing with them with its own content. So right. one of the things I did was I sort of dug around in in some Ofcom data. And they, I was really quite surprised. They said that Bridgerton, when it launched um, in the first half, in, excuse me, in the, in the first quarter of 2021, attracted about 7.4 million. Um, uh, it was watched by 7.4 million Netflix users, Netflix accounts in the UK. And so I sort of wondered, well, how does that stack up against some of the best stuff that's going on there? And, uh, you know, in the same piece, they were saying that there was a top-rated scripted uh, traditional TV show um, in the first half called The Pembrokeshire Murders, and that attracted an audience of 10.9 million. So Netflix is right in there. Um, uh, And add to that, I have to say, Netflix was released at Christmas, uh, so they were only really counting in the first quarter there was probably a couple or three million um, more reached in that time frame as well. So it could well be that Netflix's Bridgerton ends is is actually as getting as good a reach as a top ITV show like the Pembroke, Pembrokeshire Murders mm. in that market. So mm. I think they are competing pretty well. There's one interesting thing that that Netflix. Amazon and now Sky Showtime will have to deal with. Um, and that's, that's this European rule that 30% of the content needs to be made in right. Europe. And this, right. this, it, did, it didn't occur to me before, but it certainly does now that this is really where Sky can help, right? Because most of Sky content, uh, well, Sky is producing content in all of these regions or in many of the regions. So that, again, will help 
Sky Showtime have the requisite amount of locally produced content that allows it to operate in those regions at all. So there's another really big advantage, I think, to the two working together. Um, particularly, this I think this particularly helps Viacom CBS in this case because you know they would have had to create content in that region to to get up to that thirty percent level. But it sounds like what you're saying, Colin, when you talk about Bridgerton. Obviously, we know that Netflix has spent billions of dollars developing its own original content to compete around the world, but in particular in these markets like Europe, where it's very difficult to license existing programs from other networks. Is that going to be table stakes for Sky Showtime? Are they going to have to now plow a whole bunch of new money on top of what Sky already does for originals? Are they going to have to go plow a bunch of new money into creating originals specifically so that they can compete there in the European market against Netflix and Amazon and all the others? Um, it's hard to define about a bunch of new money, Will, but I think undoubtedly they are going to have to spend money on producing in Europe. There's no question about that. Uh, so, yes, that will be an expense that this new business is going to have to bear. Um, now, it's not like it's going to be hard. There's plenty of places to produce content. And the situation is that this rule in Europe came in last year. No, actually, I think it came in the year before last. So it's not like uh, American companies aren't already producing a lot of content there for their services because, of course, Netflix and, and Amazon are doing it right now. So... There is plenty of opportunity to, to do that. The facilities exist. I can tell you that one of the things that European broadcasters are complaining about now is it's putting the price of production up dramatically because there's now much more competition for the facilities and for the staff to produce them. So <laughs> this, is, this, this was an unintended consequence of this. Well, actually, I think this 30% rule is very ill-advised. I think it's going to have a lot of negative effects as well as this small positive effect um, uh, in Europe. So, you know, it, it, yes, they'll have to produce. Yes, it will be expensive. But the good news, I suppose, is that their broadcast competition are also seeing increased expense as well. So, you know, uh, I think it, it really is a net net, probably a, 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 a no-op, as it were, a burden on everybody because it just um, uh, means it's more expensive for everybody to produce, not just, uh, not just the SVOD producers. Right. And the other thing I think related there, Colin, is, and I agree with you, obviously, they're going to have to, um, they're going to have to invest heavily excuse me, an original content now, to compete effectively. What's interesting to me is how much Comcast has evolved from really primarily a domestic U.S. company not that long ago. Then, they, of course, they acquired Sky. Now we're seeing the next evolution with Sky, which is the big push on streaming, as we're talking about here. Comcast has really broadened its geographic ambitions in the last, I don't know what you want to call it, three, four years. I can't remember exactly when they acquired Sky. Um, and it just makes you kind of wonder, like, where to from here? I mean, are they going to be looking for even more deals off, uh, uh, you know, off in other geographies beyond North America, U.S., um, Europe? Are they going to be going into Asia, Latin America, et cetera? Because, 
you know, if they want to compete with Netflix, Amazon, et cetera, that's what they have to do. They have to follow them everywhere in the world. So I think the short answer to that is yes, they will. I mean, the truth is the, the content that NBC produces is being licensed around the world. Um, certainly the Universal movies are as well. They're being released and licensed around the world. So if they're doing that, um, well, why wouldn't you also have a service in market that is providing that content directly? Um, if, yeah. if of course, it turns out it's more profitable to do that. And the answer, well, the answer must be yes, right? Or why would, uh, why would Comcast and Viacom CBS be working together if they didn't think that they could make more money in a direct-to-consumer service than licensing the content to local broadcasters? So the, the challenge for the local broadcasters is that one of the sources that they've used to attract their viewers over time is just going to go away, right? Because the, the, everybody's launching their own service with that content and the way you get that is through that service, not, not through your local broadcaster. So it becomes more difficult to fill the broadcast schedules with quality content for the local broadcasters over the long time. Uh, so, you know, I think the, the long view of this is that, yeah, I think there are there are opportunities for them to launch around the world, not just in not just in Europe, and that they'll probably take them. and And by doing so, um, they they really take a knock on the local broadcasters' competitiveness in their market. Local broadcasters will be forced to rely more and more on locally produced content. Yeah, I, I I'd say that's maybe my key takeaway from all this is that this business continues to get more and more expensive for everybody it's you know we read about the billions that netflix is spending amazon is spending but right behind them coming in is as we start talking about here comcast and viacom cbs the local broadcasters as you say the ante keeps going up for them cost of producing keep going up for them this business just Costs are going up everywhere. There's just there's no other way around it. And if costs are going up for the producers and distributors, then you can be sure who costs are going up for on the all the way down at the end of the value chain. You, me, and all the rest of the consumers. Yeah, yeah. There was one other aspect that I was puzzling over as well, Will, and that is the positioning of this service, particularly in the UK. Um, so when Sky Sky launched Now TV, oh God, I think it must have been eight or ten years ago now. And the way they, they position Now TV, which is their direct-to-consumer product, is as a sort of the down-market cousin to Sky. Sky was the premium brand. That's If you wanted the best, you got Sky Satellite. But if you, you, know, if you want a more flexible way of getting the content and are willing to put up with um, you know, a little bit, little bit less convenient, then you got Now TV. So, okay, so now they're going to launch Sky Showtime there. So how I was puzzling over how they're going to position this versus Now TV. And I think Now TV has actually been launched in Germany and a couple of the other markets as well. So I'm really interested in how Sky is going to position Sky Showtime, which has its name. And the interesting thing here is because Netflix now, nobody would call Netflix a down market service, I don't think. Um, uh, or, or Amazon Prime Video. They've got great content that's, that's drawing peak or, you know, top audiences. 
and Sky Showtime won't be wanted to wanting to pitch itself as playing second fiddle to Sky. So I think this kind of indicates that there's a change in strategy for Sky itself. The now you have this yep. thing called Sky Showtime, which has its name, which is a premium SVOD product, not like Now TV, which is down market. So I don't know. It's very interesting to see how they're going to position this in Europe. I think it could be quite confusing, actually, to Europeans that have access to Now TV and are subscribed and using it. Um, so I don't know that that could be di- one difficult thing that they have to figure out in that in the markets where they have launched now TV. They have some work to do. They should do, but you yeah. know, you know, I don't know if you remember where we talked about when when um, Comcast purchased Sky. One of the things that they said that they were they were going to learn a lot from Sky because Sky was very innovative, and I think they have. I think it's fair to say that they they have done that. But now it looks like the two are going to be learning together because this is they're, they're breaking breaking new grounds together. So uh, so it'd be fun to see what happens. Definitely, uh, definitely, be interesting to see what happens. And I think we're just about out of time here for today, Colin. So good chatting with you about Comcast and Viacom, CBS, and Sky and streaming in Europe. This will be good grist for you, also, as I say, because you follow this market closer than I do. So you'll have plenty more good stuff to take a look at. Oh, I'm sure I will. And, you know, the great thing is, Will, is this is great learning for uh, people in the U.S. because uh, there's going to be lots of services here that are going to want to launch internationally. Uh, yeah. So there's lots to learn here. Fair enough. All right, Colin, good chatting as always. And good talking to you, Will. And thanks, everybody, for listening in on this week's edition of Inside the Stream. And we'll see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of Endscreen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.